Our verses today are John 8, 12 to 30, uh, and there they are on the screen, so I'll read them to us. If you have one of the church Bibles, it's page 894. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said to him, will he kill himself since he says where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world that I ha- what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Amen. Uh, If you were here a couple of weeks ago, uh, you may remember the sermon uh, was about Jesus uh, saying, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. Uh, The format of that passage, uh, which happened just a few days before this one, is fairly similar to this. There is a beautiful statement from Jesus that we think should just be accepted and celebrated, but then there is a fallout people either not understanding or deliberately rejecting what Jesus has said. And that's why the passage is not just verse 12 and then verse 30. Uh, Jesus saying he's the light of the world and then many believing in him. Uh, You may also remember if you were here, I'm, I'm sure with great joy, that the sermon had three points beginning with the same letter for the first time. After the success of that, uh, I'm sad to announce that's not happening this week. There are four points. They don't start with the same letter. Uh, There is also, and spoiler alert for later on, there's really only one main point of application for us. Uh, It's the point that we see in verse 30, as people apply what Jesus has said. It is, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. The message I want us to take home is just that, believe in Jesus Christ. 
And that is not just for uh, any of us who may have not believed in him before, but that is a message that we all need to hear. For belief in Jesus Christ is not just something that we accept as an idea or a truth in your heads, but biblical belief in Jesus is measured by obedience to him, measured by how it changes our lives. So I hope as we hear that call to believe in Jesus, that changes us, that causes us to live more for him and more like him. The first of those uh, four points that I mentioned is found in verse 12. It is Jesus saying that he is the light of the world. So I'll read that verse again for us. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the statement Jesus says that causes such controversy, that causes the Pharisees to argue against him. Jesus claiming that he is the light of the world. That claim to be the light of the world carries a whole lot of meaning with it. The first point for us to realize, and for those listening to Jesus to realize, is that Jesus claiming to be the light of the world means that Jesus has come from the Father. It means he's come from the Father because it takes us back to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. The first words we hear God say, let there be light. And the context into which God said those uh, words is this. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. So God, and the creation of the world into a, a world that was dark, without shape, said these words, let there be light. Then we have, in one of our Christmas passages in Isaiah, pointing forward to this coming of Jesus, a remarkably similar verse. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. That verse pointing forward towards the coming of Jesus. God in his creation of the world, looking at a dark world and saying, let there be light. God in his sending of Jesus Christ, looking out on a world of darkness and sending in the light of the world. Maybe as uh, before Jesus was coming to earth, they had a, a conversation in heaven and those words, let there be light, were repeated again. God saying, let there be light on the earth and Jesus Christ, the light of the world, comes. It is God's act of recreating the world. God, in creating the world, uh, made it perfect and good, declared that it was good, declared that people were very good. Yet we know, and we see around us, that the world has not stayed that way, but the world is filled with darkness. It doesn't uh, take much of a genius or a philosopher to be able to look across the world and see that. Yet God did not see that the world was in darkness and abandon it, but no, he sent the light again to recreate the world. He sent Jesus Christ, the light of the world. One of the other aspects of Jesus claiming to be the light of the world that the Pharisees hated so much was that use of the word whole, that Jesus is the light of the whole world. Now, as Jesus being the light of the, world, the whole world, uh, that was a call that was not just given to Jesus, that was a call that the people of Israel were meant to follow as well. Uh, another verse from Isaiah, I'll read to you, chapter 49, verse 6. 
I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. That is the call and commission given to the people of Israel, that they would be a light to all the nations. That through that light, salvation from God would reach to the end of the earth. And yet they so desperately failed in their, co- in their commission to be the light of the world. And we know that from so many stories. As we think of the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans, we see that rather than the Jews seeking to be a light to the Samaritans, uh, just looked at the Samaritans with disdain. We see it as, as they approach other nations, not with a love, not with a willingness to show and share God with them, but rather to look at them and say that you are unrighteous and unholy and we are just going to do our own thing gathered together. But in the sending of Jesus Christ. He is fulfilling what the people of Israel were meant to be in that he is being a light to the whole world. A light who in uh, some of his final words on earth would say, go to all the nations. Tell them about him, Jesus. That the whole world that is living in darkness may be able to see this wonderful light of the world, Jesus Christ. As we seek to be Christians in this world today, as we seek to be a church And we hear that call from Jesus to be lights in the world. As the body of Christ, we take our mission from the mission of Jesus Christ. So if Jesus Christ is the light of the world, then we as a church are meant to be that too. To be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. But we can fall into the trap that many of the people of Israel fell into as well. That rather than look out on the nations... Those who are not God's people with love, wanting to share of Jesus with them, it can be very easy to just look out on the world with disdain. Now there is much out there in the world to be wary of, to quite frankly hate and to be angry about. As we hear uh, stories of some of the uh, ideologies that kids are having to grow up hearing in school and online, as we look at the actions of different world leaders, There is so much to be angry about. There is so much to hate and to do so righteously. But we cannot let our disdain for some of that dampen our love for the people we are called to be a light to. And so even just this next Sunday, we've been hearing about the fireworks and bonfire nights, a literal opportunity to be the light of the world. We have a great opportunity in Colts and Bealside and across Aberdeen to invite people to come and see or hear something of Jesus Christ, this light. This is not an event just for us to gather around and celebrate together, but an event to invite the whole of the city to, in the hope that maybe they'll just see something special. Maybe they'll feel blessed as they receive soup or a hot dog. Maybe they'll enjoy the opportunity to be prayed for. Maybe they'll get invited to a Christmas service and get to come and hear about this wonderful gift of the light of the world. We as a church looking out, often rightfully angry or in despair at what we see, are still called in this place, a city and a country full of darkness, to be a light in the world, pointing people towards the true light of the world, Jesus Christ. Uh, More from Jesus being the light of the world uh, is that as the light of the world, Jesus lights our path from ahead and gives us the light of life. 
I want us to consider this in the uh, passage, in the context of the passage I mentioned earlier that I preached on a couple of weeks ago of Jesus uh, giving anyone who uh, would thirst uh, rivers of living water living in them. Uh, those rivers of living water, as we saw, were the Holy Spirit. And so in that context of Jesus giving the Holy Spirit, of Jesus here, as we saw through the passage, being sent by the Father, uh, we have a passage that shows us something beautiful about the Trinity. The Father who sends Jesus, Jesus who is the light, and Jesus who gives the Spirit to us. All three persons working together as one to achieve what they are out to achieve, to show us Jesus Christ. And the thing about Jesus being the light of the world ahead of us is that as we look upon Jesus Christ, the path before us is lit up. As we focus our eyes on him, as we turn our eyes on him, as we sang earlier, our path is lit up and so we will not, as Jesus warns us against, walk in darkness. But the problem is this. For the Pharisees listening and a danger for us too is that if the light is ahead of us and we turn around, our path just becomes a shadow. We become walking in darkness. And so the call for us as a church, is that we will keep our eyes focused on the light of the world, Jesus Christ. But so often what we will tend to do, uh, naturally, is to seek to turn around. That's why each week we gather together to help each other point ourselves back towards looking at Jesus Christ. That's why each day we seek to read our Bibles or pray that we would not be turning our back on Jesus and so walking in the path of darkness. As we see Jesus, the light of the world, we keep him as our focus, as our goal, and he will light the path before us. Jesus Christ, as the light of the world, is the one who has come from God, part of God's recreation of the world, a light to the whole world, and a light that guides the path ahead of us. What happens after Jesus says that is the Pharisees argue against him. The Pharisees hated the idea of Jesus being the light of the world. And so the argument against him is found in verse 13. The Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Uh, they had a rule, and Jesus mentions this, uh, that you need two, two witnesses to have a testimony that would be considered legitimate. Uh, now, this is a law that they did not keep at all. It's a law that they have just brought out to try and catch Jesus. It's sort of as hypocritical and ridiculous as a politician telling you not to visit your gran in hospital for COVID and then throwing a party. Something we'd find quite unimaginable. And yet they use it against Jesus because they just hate the idea of Jesus being the Messiah. And through John, we've seen so many different reasons for that. That Jesus was not a military warrior that Jesus didn't just come to butter up the Pharisees and tell them what a good job they've done of keeping uh, the religious law in order. He did not come uh, and free them from the Romans. Part of their expectation of what God would be like or the Messiah would be like uh, is this idea of light. It's found in Daniel chapter 2. But they don't want the Messiah to be Jesus. And so they come up with any argument they can uh, possibly do to ridicule him and to discredit him. The reason they are so opposed to Jesus being the light of the world is found for us actually in John chapter 3. 
I'm going to read verses 18 to 21. Uh, a few weeks ago, I uh, also shared on this passage. It's the story of people uh, seeing that they are exposed by the light and hating it. The Pharisees are just a living, uh, breathing version of what Jesus talks about in John 3. This is John 3, 18 to 21. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. They recognize that Jesus is the, as the light of the world is going to expose them and so they hate him. They realize that as part of Jesus exposing them, he is going to judge them, but not judge them in the way that they judge. As Jesus tells them in verse 16, they judge according to the flesh, but Jesus judges no one. Yet even or when he does judge, his judgment is true. It is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. The judgment of the Father, the judgment of God, is not like their judgment according to the flesh, not a judgment just given on outward appearances, but a judgment of what is on the inside, of what, of, what is in one's heart. And for the Pharisees and for us, that judgment is a lot harder to deal with. It can be very easy to put on a great show, uh, to appear to be quite fantastic and quite holy. The Pharisees were experts at it, helped by the fact that they made so many of the rules so could fashion them to be the ones that they could keep the easiest. The Pharisees must have known that deep down on the inside, their hearts were not where they meant to be. Their hearts were not hearts that would stand up to the judgment of God. They knew that God judges the inside. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, not there to condemn, but to expose what is already there. Uh, when I preached on that John 3 passage, I used the illustration of the exposing but not condemning as talking about my flats. I've tidied my flat since then, uh, so the illustration there is gone. Um, but uh, if you have a car, uh, you will know that each year you have to take it for an MOT. And as the mechanic uh, looks at the car, uh, he or she will tell you what is wrong with it. But what they've done there is they've just exposed it. They haven't condemned it. Uh, they've not caused uh, that rust or that problem. They've just told you what the problem is. And you can go on uh, living and driving in ignorance unaware blissfully of the problem. But you know, at some point, there's going to be a danger, and it's going to come back to bite you. The mechanic just shines a light, does not condemn. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, as he comes into the world, it does not come to condemn, but to save. He exposes what is wrong, exposes in the way of comparison, that as we look at Jesus Christ, we realize how drastically far short of him we fall. As we look at what he's called us to, we realize that we do not measure up one bit. But that is not to condemn us as the Pharisees thought. It is to point us back to him. Believing in Jesus means for all of us to ask him to shine on us, 
to expose us where we fall short, that we may depend ever more on him. Then from uh, verse 21, the conversation changes. Rather than Jesus talking to the Pharisees, the Pharisees seem to have disappeared, and it is to regular Jews that Jesus is speaking. Uh, Jesus, uh, in verse 21, says this. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself, since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am him, you will die in your sins. Uh, Jesus has a place that he is going uh, in verse 21. Uh, That place is to paradise or to glory paradise, as he mentions to the thief on the cross. A place where they cannot go because of their sin. Because they stand completely uh, at odds with who Jesus is. To go to paradise, uh, you need to be perfect. And yet it is, and it is only Jesus who is that. The Jews listening to this, not perfect. People rather than living in the light are people living in darkness. They too are from below and not above. Jesus from above going back there where he is from, but those who are below, the people listening to this, cannot go. They cannot go because they are condemned. Not condemned because Jesus, the light of the world, has come. Condemned because they don't believe in him, as he says in verse 24. It is their lack of belief that means that they will die in their sins. We do not get to have a hope of glory of life in paradise because we measure up and be perfect. Because none of us would ever go and we would have no hope of that. We get that opportunity because Jesus Christ was perfect on our behalf. And it is then only by believing in him that we receive that opportunity, we receive that gift of eternal life with him. They are condemned because they do not believe. And that can be the story for us too. A story that leads to a terrifying future of this dying in sin that he talks about. That is, to then go on living in eternal darkness. We know so much uh, in this world when we go through pains and trials how much the hope of a light at the end of the tunnel sustains us. That we know that for a while or for a long time, life is really hard and it is difficult and and it is hard to see how we could possibly go forth. But we know that there is a hope in glory forever, a light that can sustain us through so many things. But for those who die in sin, there is no light at the end of the tunnel, there is only further darkness. And so I want to ask you this morning... If you are not somebody who believes in Jesus, have you come to terms with the reality of what will happen? And if you are not somebody who believes in Jesus, we are so incredibly grateful that you are here. And we love that you are here and you are welcome to come back here week after week for as long as you live. And there will never at any stage be uh, forced conversion or so much pressure. But we really hope that doesn't detract from the urgency of the call to believe in Jesus Christ.
We do not know how long we have on this earth. What we do know is that by believing in Jesus, we get a future of eternal light, looking at him, being with him. If you are here and you are a believer, I hope that that by that belief you have hope of that future. A future surrounded by brothers and sisters, made possible because of Jesus Christ coming to us as the light of the world. For any of us, if we are struggling to believe, Jesus offers us a solution from verse 25 onwards. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. And this is the key bit here. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Jesus is telling them, if you want to recognize who Jesus is, look at the Son of Man lifted up. That is, look on Jesus Christ on the cross. And there, as you see that, as you see him there dying on behalf of us who have walked in darkness, there you will see that this Jesus is the Son of Man, that this Jesus is God, that this Jesus truly is the light of the world. That thief on the cross dying next to Jesus looked at Jesus, cross on, Jesus Christ on the cross and recognized him, saying, remember me as you come into glory. And it was that belief, that recognition of Jesus that meant Jesus could say to the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. Not just the thief looked at the cross and recognized who Jesus was, but the whole of the created world looked as well. As Jesus Christ, the light of the world, dies, as that light is extinguished, the world is plunged into hours of darkness. The world recognizing that its creator, that the light of the world has died. And so the world mourns and goes dark. The Roman centurion, as he looks at all these events, Jesus dying on the cross, the earthquake, the darkness across the whole world, looks at this and says, surely this man is the son of God. And so whether you are finding it hard to trust in Jesus, but you've been a believer for years, whether you are not at the moment a believer in Jesus, there are so many wonderful things you could look at and read, but please, first and foremost and always on the way through, look at Jesus on the cross. There you will see who he is. You will see his love for you. You will see that you are saved and you are definitely saved. The cross does not need to happen again. By the cross, you are made his child. You are given life in him. Jesus will be recognized and believed in as people look at him on the cross. And so that point of application I mentioned at the start. It might not sound like the most practical thing, but it is simply to believe in Jesus Christ. It is to believe in him for the first time, 
again as you live each day. And as we thought uh, earlier on, and with this idea I'll close, of God sending Jesus as part of his recreating of the world, recreating the world of darkness into a world of light, we also cherish and hold on to the fact that God has recreated life from death. Whereas before life ended with death, now life begins with death. That because Jesus came from dead death to life, we know that we too will do the same. That we will have life and a hope of a wonderful future. I'm gonna close with the words that I read two weeks ago from Revelation 22. Words also written by John of a future, glorious that we hold on to and that we look forward to. Revelation 22, 1 to 5, and it's on the screen. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, On either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. God's work of recreation will be complete. It is he who is making all things new. And on those days in glory, the path before us will be lit, but it will not be by a star in the sky. It will be by the Son of God, who has brought us there and will keep us for there. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this gift of Jesus as the light of the world. That he is a part of your plan to recreate the world, and we thank you that that plan will be complete one day. That we have such a glorious hope of a future to hold on to. Lord, help us as we are surrounded by a world in darkness, not to turn our backs on you to follow the ways of the world. And help us too to to not seek to separate ourselves too much, to just look down on those who would oppose you, but to seek to be a light to them, pointing them towards you and your son, to a relationship with you, to the sweet sound of hearing your people sing. Lord, help us to believe in Jesus Christ. Through whatever life may hold, to look at him on the cross, to see what he accomplished there for us, to see his love for us, and to trust that because he came back from death to life, that we will do so too. Amen.